Now, we all, I think, want to be able to ask the Lord, uh, God, the Almighty, whatever, and just be able to get whatever we ask for. I mean, we, we want there to be no limits on that. Uh, little Johnny had been misbehaving, and he was sent to his room. A little while later, he emerged from his room, and he informed his mother that he'd thought it all over, and he'd prayed about it. And so the mom said, well, that's fine. Uh, if you ask God to help you to not misbehave, he will help you. And then little Johnny said, oh, I didn't ask him to help me not to misbehave. I asked him to help you to learn to put up with me. And so I think that's kind of what we want to do sometimes is we want everything to adapt around to us. And uh, I heard, you know, uh, that that's even true with people who don't believe in God at all. I heard that there was this uh, back in the day when there were uh call things we weren't all on the internet we used to do dial a prayer maybe you've heard of that well they actually had a dial a prayer for even atheists to make them feel uh happy and so when they dialed it up it just rang and rang and rang and rang and no one ever answered it so it gave them exactly what they wanted i think that's what we all want we want what we want and whatever that is now the lord does promise many many times to answer whatever you pray for. Does the Bible really say that? It doesn't say it once. It says it quite a few times. For I'll, Let me point some of those out. Matthew 21, 22 says, whatever things you ask in prayer, believe, and you will receive. John eleven twenty two 22 says, whatever you ask of God, God will give you. John 14, 30, 13 says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. John 15, 16 says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you, and John 16, 23, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give. So it's said many, many times. But is that totally whatever mean anything that one prays for, God is obligated to give because he said that? Well, to be honest, no, that's not entirely the whole story. Let me read you some other scripture that puts a little light on that. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10, it says, your will, talking to the Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if it's whatever, then it's my will, but apparently we need to understand that it's ultimately his will. Matthew 26, 39 says, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Mark 14, 36, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will is the way it's stated there. In Luke 22, verse 42 says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And all of those are the different versions of Jesus praying that God's will would be done and not his. In 1 John 5, 14, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So it's anything, but it has to also be according to his will. It's whatever, but it has to be according to his will. So if it's, as long as it's according to his will and it's whatever, then we get it, right? Well, no, that's not the total story either because it matters who does the asking. I know that sounds awful, but it's not totally whatever anybody asks. Let me give you a few scriptures on that. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So it's my people. How about this one? Job 27 verses 89 says, For what is the hope of the hypocrite? Though he may gain much, if God takes away his life, will God hear his cry when trouble comes upon him? 
So hypocrites, not so much. Uh, Job 35 verses 12 and 13. There they cry out, but he does not, he does not answer because of the pride of evil men. Surely God will not listen to empty talk, nor will the Almighty regard it. So proud, evil, empty talk. You can just ask anything. No, not if you're evil, really. Psalm 145, verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. That's blanket. But then he says, to all who call upon him in truth. So it's got to be according to truth and not lies. Proverbs 15, verse 29 says, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. So if a wicked man who isn't even trying to do what's right expecting everything, whatever he would ask. No, that's not really true. Isaiah 1 verse 15 says, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. So they had obviously killed some innocent people. And he's saying, look, if you're a killer, it's not really, you know, high priority to answer everything that you might think of asking. And John 9, verse 31, it says, Now we know that God does not hear sinners. Now, if that's a blanket statement, then he doesn't hear any of us because we're all sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. So he's talking about sinners who make no effort to appeal to God on, on some kind of a basis. So just out of the blue, a man living for the devil, if you will, and suddenly he throws up whatever he asks. It's just got to be done. That's not the way it really works. So I want to give you five truths that I think, though, will encourage us to pray because it still does say whatever, whatever you pray for. And that's promised many, many times. So let me give you about five little truths that I believe will encourage you. And it's all from Mark chapter 11, verses 20 through 22. So if you get your Bibles, maybe hold it in your lap and take a look at these scriptures together with me. That might be a good thing to do right now. Mark 11, we're going to begin in verse 20. And then we're going to go all the way down to verse 26 as we read through this. Uh, first of all, verse 20 says this. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Verse 21. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. So the, the first truth I want you to get is, Whatever is true, whatever you pray, but you must direct it. And by that, what I mean is two things. One is you need to direct it and be specific. He mentions a fig tree before it was directed specifically at something. I think a lot of times we throw prayers up that just cover everything. Oh, Lord, we thank you for everything and fix everything. Uh, well, that's not, how are you ever going to know that's even answered? It's so generic. So we should first direct our thoughts about specific things so that we can know when they're actually happening. And then we need to be more specific and understand we are directing our thoughts to God, have faith in God. Uh, not faith in prayer, uh, but faith in God through prayer. So we don't just talk to the universe. And there are people who do that. Out in the cosmos needs to hear me. No. Uh, the cosmos doesn't hear anything, and the universe doesn't hear anything. It's inanimate matter. But God can. And so direct your thoughts specifically to God about specific things. So to encourage us all, let's learn that whatever you pray, you must direct it. Be specific about that fig, whatever it is. And then number two, whatever you pray, you must say it. And this is found still in Mark 11, verse 23. 
For assuredly, I say to you, what, whatever, or whoever, excuse me, says to this mountain, notice that, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So it's important to God that you actually speak it out, that you say it out loud. And, and not just that, but you say things out loud generally all the time that you believe God would want to happen. We need to learn to say out loud things that we believe are the will of God and kind of just state them over things, like, like almost a prophecy over people. We should, we should say things like, for example, we should say things like, uh, this plague must end, this virus must end, and say it out loud. And then say that the people need to be set free. You need to say things like that because it's not just important that uh, the other people hear it. You need to hear it. You need to hear yourself saying things. One of the interesting things that I found is often when like in a ceremony or something like that and somebody starts trying to say their vows to each other, they get all emotional because it's the first time they've ever heard themselves say those things. It's important for you to hear you say things that are the will of God and to say it out loud. So to encourage us all, we need to learn that whatever you pray, you ought to say some of those things before you even pray it. In other words, what you're going to pray later should be a part of your vocabulary. It should be a part of the kinds of things that you say because you're that in tune with the will of God. Number three, whatever you pray, you must believe it. Not only do you need to direct it and say it, but you must believe it. Mark eleven twenty three 23 says, For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. We should then, in this praying model, believe that God wants what we want as long as it is good. We need to believe that. You know, it's funny. Sometimes it's easy to believe certain things and not easy to believe other things. I found, for example, people can easily believe in, say, repentance, or they can easily believe in baptism. They can easily believe in confessing Jesus. But then they start going, but in prayer, having a little problem with that. They're not sure that they believe that God answers prayer. And that's funny to me because the scripture that taught you the other things is the scripture that taught you to pray, isn't it? I mean, isn't that the same scripture? So to encourage us all, we need to learn that whatever you pray, you must believe it. You don't just ask like a wave of the sea, well, I kind of believe it. I kind of don't. You need to really believe that God wants good to happen and pray those things. So number four, we come to it. Whatever you pray, you must pray it. Man, isn't that funny to say it that way? Well, it's the order in this text. In Mark 11, verse 24, it says, Therefore I say, whatever things you ask when you pray. So it's interesting he's talked about directing the comment to God and being specific, saying it out loud before you've prayed, believing it. Now he says to pray it. We should then pray for what we have already said we believe is what should happen. Uh, that means it's great for us to have lovely conversations. It's great for us to discuss things we believe God wants to happen. That's all wonderful. We can be so spiritual sometimes and be so non-spiritual at the same time. At some point, you and I both need to be on our knees 
confessing the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and believing in our heart that God will answer our prayers. We literally need to get on our knees. You say, I don't think you have to get on your knees. Well, one day you will. All will be on their knees. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. Might as well get some practice in and go ahead and get on your knees. So encourage us all. We need to learn whatever you pray. You must actually pray. At some point, you really just need to pray. And that's a good idea for us all. Number five, last point, whatever you pray, you must forgive. You say, well, what does that have to do with it? It's in the text. Look at verse 25 and 26 of Mark 11. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything, and by the way, you don't always have to kneel. Standing works, by the way. I wanted to throw that in. Even though I said that about kneeling, it's still important for you to recognize standing is a perfectly good posture for praying. Uh, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against someone, so you have an issue against someone, you think they've done you wrong, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Verse 26, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So number one of the things I, I don't think I've hardly ever heard a prayer uh, in church that we didn't ask God to forgive us or for his mercy or for his grace. I, I don't think I've ever hardly heard any prayer in church that didn't include that. But you see here, what the Lord Jesus says is if you want me to forgive you, then you need to forgive them. I want to try something here. Uh, let's just say, I want you to think of somebody that may have done you wrong right now. Anybody, anybody that's ever done you wrong. Think about it this second. Let's try this little thing. I want you to say with me out loud, I forgive them all. Try it with me. I forgive them all. Let's try it one more time. I forgive them all. That's a good feeling, isn't it? Now, we should forgive anything and everything we can to ensure that God hears my prayer. Because one of the most important things, apparently, for me is that I'll be forgiven. If that's that important to me, and of all the things I might pray for, then I need to make sure it's a part of my heart that I forgive. Interesting that the Lord put it here, isn't it? So and to encourage us all to learn that whatever you pray, you must forgive to make sure that you're going to be heard. So direct it, say it, believe it, pray it, and forgive it. Uh, this is advice, though, for the mature believer. This is not easy stuff. I mean, it may sound easy. I mean, I throw it out there, but to actually practice it is not the easiest thing to do. And a lot of times we struggle with concepts that we can talk about easily. Uh, there were two men who were talking together. The first one challenged the other and said, uh, you know, if you think you're so religious, uh, let's hear you quote the Lord's Prayer. I bet you $10 you can't even quote the Lord's Prayer. And the man says, I'll take that bet. He said, now lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. The man grabbed his wallet, pulled it out, gave him $10. He said, you know, I didn't think you could do it. So, I mean, that's, that's how little sometimes we know and we want to act like we know and uh, we don't always know. So let me give you uh, some immature prayers and show you what I'm talking about. Uh, these are all from kids. Dear preacher, I know God loves me, but I wish he would give me an A on my report card so I could be sure that he loves me. Love, Teresa, age eight from Milwaukee. Here's another one. 
Dear preacher, could you say a special blessing for my Aunt Beatrice? She has been looking for a husband for 12 years and still hasn't found one. Yours sincerely, Debbie, age nine from Duluth. Dear preacher, do I have to say grace before every meal? Even when I am only having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Wesley, age nine from Baltimore. Dear preacher, please pray for all the airline pilots. I'm flying to California tomorrow. Laurie, age 10, from New York City. Dear preacher, we say grace every night before we eat dinner, even when we have leftovers from the night before. <laughs> Yours truly, Jackie, age 9, from Chicago. Dear preacher, I say my prayer before I eat my supper, but my mother still makes me finish my spinach and drink my milk. Julie, age 9, from Buffalo. We are all like those kids at times, so I don't want to suggest that I'm at some level of maturity that you're not. We all have some immaturity, but you got to understand the mature believer learns these things we've just talked about. He directs it, he says it, he believes it, he prays it, and he forgives it. And if you do those things, you're going to see God answer in ways that are going to surprise you. He's going to amaze you. He's going to bless you. He's going to inspire you. There was research done in San Francisco, uh, in San Francisco's General Hospital, uh, victims of heart failure, uh, heart attack, uh, cardiac problems of various kinds were studied in connection to prayer. And it was found out rather remarkably that those who were prayed for fared far better. The cardiologist that conducted this uh, test, this experiment, his name was Randy Bird. He assigned 192 patients to the prayed for group and he signed 201 patients to the not prayed for group. Now, all the patients were in it at that point that he's talking about were in the coronary intensive care unit. So, you know, this is serious. Uh, the patients, the doctors, the nurses, none of them knew. None of them knew any of this that was going on. Uh, they didn't know which group the patients were in. Uh, the prayer group members were scattered all over the nation, and they were only given the first name of the person to pray for and what the diagnosis was and what the prognosis was of the patient. Uh, the researcher said that the results were so dramatic that they needed to be published, and so they did publish them in the American Heart Association. The prayed-for group had significantly fewer complications than what was called the unremembered group. Uh, the the fewer, fewer members of the uh, the one that was prayed for died than the other group. Uh, the latter group was literally five times more likely to develop infections requiring antibiotics, the ones that weren't prayed for. Five times more likely to develop infections that required antibiotics. They were three times more likely to develop a lung condition leading to heart failure. Now, those findings were published, like I said, in the American Heart Association. So it's not a make-believe experiment that really this really happened. And these people didn't know each other, but just being prayed for, even when you didn't know you were being prayed for, apparently had an effect. That's interesting, isn't it? So my advice would be to push God. Push God. That means that stands for pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. Push God a little bit as it's important for us to recognize that God does answer prayer. Adam Baum, and I know that sounds like Atom Baum, but his name was really Adam Baum, and uh, he was a poet, and here's what he said about prayer. He says, pray on, 
prey on when rough and dark your pathway and you cannot see the light, when every spark of hope has vanished and bright day has turned to night. Pray on, for God does surely hear you, noting well each sad request. Pray then in faith, truly believing that he always gives what is best. Pray on. So, as you can clearly see, God uh, answers our prayer whatsoever we ask, if you understand what that means. And God expects you to turn to him and to ask. But he first expects you to turn to him because the whatsoever applies if you're a person who worships God and follows him. So begin. Take the first step to believe in Jesus, to repent of your sins, and to confess that you believe Jesus is Lord, and to be baptized for the remission of sins, to live for the Lord, to worship him appropriately. And as you do that, then you should feel very confident when you turn toward him in prayer. God bless you. Pray today. Push the Lord a little bit.